Right here. Right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. Welcome back to the Redneck Tech Podcast. This is going to be episode number 66. And uh, for those of you listening in, now that we are in the new office, as you can tell, well, as you can tell because we're starting to video these podcasts, um, we have an office now. Ryer has made it in from Georgia. And uh, so the Redneck Tech Podcast is all new and improved. Copeland Creative is new and improved. And uh, Ryer has been here for a whole almost 24 hours now, just over 24 hours. You got here at, what, 1230 yesterday? 26 hours. 26 hours. I've been in Georgia. So uh, he's already gotten a ticket. <laughs> it's the first one of my life, too. <laughs> it's a seatbelt ticket. It wasn't a bad one. Um, but yeah, he's uh, got here. We're trying to get going on everything. And we're recording this podcast because I leave tomorrow morning for like 10 days and he'll be here. Um editing and working on a project that we recently just got done shooting and uh, really wanted to get on here and do a podcast. And we're going to do the, the podcast theme is going to be about filming whitetails, but we obviously have to intro you getting here, getting the office, welcome to Georgia, kind of your thoughts and fall schedule and everything that we've got going on right now. So um, got here yesterday and uh we're about to throw you into the fire, like first things first. So what's your, what's your take on, first of all, getting here to Georgia and the transition from California and just kind of, what are your you know thoughts right now? It's a long drive. It's a long drive. I did it over the course of four days. But you like the humidity already, right? It's my favorite part, actually. <laughs> I got here, I was like, man, you know what I've been missing my whole life is feeling like I'm in a steam room. <laughs> as soon as I walk outside. Uh, well, welcome to the South, buddy. <laughs> uh, but it's been pretty good. Uh, I don't know if there's anybody who lives in Memphis, but y'all need to figure out how to drive there. <laughs> I, I drove through a lot of cities and that was by far, and it was at 930 at night, people were driving dumb. Yeah. Well, it wasn't you, even rush hour. When you asked me where to stay and you showed me on the map where you were and I said, do not stay in Little Rock, do not stay in Memphis, get to the outskirts of Nashville before you start stop. And you're like, yeah, I've, I've heard heard the same. So uh, you stayed right outside Nashville, right? Yeah, Murphy, Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro. Yeah, that's right outside Nashville. Yes. Stayed there, and then that's about what? Four hours. Four from hours here. from here. Three mm-hmm. and a half. Yeah. So that was a good drive. If it was, if we had a good interstate from here to seventy-five, to get to seventy-five, you could be there in probably three hours. But our interstate, we don't have. It's all back roads from here, all the way to Dalton to seventy-five, and it's just a huge pain in the butt to get there. Um, Anytime we go north, which is the majority of the time when we're traveling somewhere, you have to make that drive. And it's a pain every single time. I tell people that I live, that we live in the worst, the second worst spot that you can possibly live to do what we do for a living. The only worst spot would be Florida. But I'm not Why Florida? Because it's even further away from everything. You know, where, I mean, well, I don't know. California is, well, you're closer to the west, though. You know, yeah, Idaho is a. If I would have drove to where we were at last, was it last week we were there? Mm-hmm. It would have been 10 hours oh, from where I was in, beautiful. in, in ten uh, hours. So you were, you were within striking distance of some of the best, most gorgeous place on All earth. All the Elkhounts that I've driven to, which is the majority, yeah. we don't ever fly to Elkhounts. Yeah. Uh, those those were fly. 
16 hours at the most. Yeah. Two easy days of driving. Yeah. You could knock them out in one two with two easy. people. Two easy. See, that's um, yeah, a one day of driving. 16 hours, you can knock that out in a day. You could. You I can. tried to pull a couple of 16 hours. I I was I was. So what was the total? What was the to- total drive time? I would say the total drive time is probably forty hours. It clocks thirty-seven on, you know, Google Maps, but yeah. it's always a little bit more. And then you got gas station stops and stuff. Oh yeah. So oh, if you make it in forty on a thirty-seven hour drive, you've done something. I think I would think it'd be more like forty-five. Probably. I, I tried to get my gas station stops down to fifteen minutes, but I couldn't because I always had you know you got to go to the bathroom, got to get snacks, got to wash the windshield and do all, <laughs> all that, that sort stuff. of stuff pull the u-haul yeah so we got ryer moved in he's in his office back here i'm in my office i've been in the office a whole half a day longer than ryer has because we were in idaho i closed on the office literally moved stuff in and uh i was in here half a day and then i had to go to idaho for that shoot that we just got back with with uh erwin for rent guns and gear, which yep. is going to be a really cool, um, new business for those of you listening that want to do a, uh, a Western hunt, a big game hunt. Um, I, you know, you got one of those coveted tags, but you can't afford that really expensive carbon rifle or that really nice pack or those Swarovski binoculars, rent guns and gear will rent that stuff to you for your time. Um, and that's, I think that's going to be really big for guys from the Midwest and the Southeast that aren't Western hunting guys that don't have really, really nice glass that don't have a really light rifle to go on this big hunt with. They're going to rinse you that stuff. And I think they're going to kill it. So we just got done shooting that project. That's what Ryder's about to start working on the edit for probably as soon as we get done with this podcast. Yep. And, uh, I roll out to Alberta in the morning. So you'll get to, you'll get to have your first taste of Atlanta in the morning. It's not going to be fun. It's I've gonna, been, well, I've been, when I flew in the first time I came into Atlanta but and then we drove time, out of it. What time was it though? The evening. It yeah. was dark. No. Okay. Yeah. You're, you get to do the morning rush hour in Atlanta. So when you drop me off in the morning, you need to literally exit the building quickly as possible and get out. Cause in the morning it's going to be the worst on the, actually you, as long as you get through Atlanta, it'll be pretty easy because everybody's going to be coming into South. Yeah. They're going to be coming into South. So if you can get on the North side, you'll be going North you'll be, you'll be, you'll be in great shape, but don't that in the evening and that three thirty to five o'clock time frame, that is atrocious. It is awful. Um, which is me and my wife sat in that the other day when we got back from Jackson hole. So we sat in the hour and 20 minute drive turned into over a two, two hours and 15 minute drive. That's painful. Yeah. It's, it's pretty miserable. Um, so we've got a really busy fall coming up. Um, I've got, more trips than I've ever been on in a condensed amount of time. And then your filming schedule is going to be different than what you're used to with Mark Groupie and the the community show. So Mm -hmm. you've got, I think on the books, what, three or four or five trips. I can't even remember. I can Um, look. Yeah. You've got four or five trips that you're going to be on. We're going to be on one or two of them together, but most of the time you're going to be by yourself, which is, it's going to be new for you. You're going to be with some new clients, some new faces, some new people doing new projects. And, um, it's going to be different, but you and I've talked about it and I think you're more than capable of doing it. So, uh, what's, what's your thoughts on kind of the, the, the pace and, uh, just the upcoming fall really. The pace is going to be a lot faster than I'm used to. Oh yeah. Uh, generally, well, the first, the first year I'd ever filmed any elk hunting, uh, that was a pretty, that was a pretty packed full year. Mm Mm-hmm. 
because uh, I went out and I Yeah, hunted. but you drove everywhere. You're going to be flying yeah, a lot I have this to time. Fly a lot. So you've got to, that's something you need to work on too. You've got to figure out how to pack mm-hmm. it all. And that's like this room, like lay it out on the floor, make sure you get everything. Don't forget your laptops, your chargers, you know, because you leave one of those things, it makes for a rough trip. And then, you know, it looks bad on us and the client when you forget something. So just, that's something that it takes a little while to get your kit down, to get your, you know, I know I need this. Or you'll take something on two or three trips. It's like, I never use that. I'm not taking it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and you'll start, it'll take you a little while to start, you know, trimming that kit down. But um, it's one, it's, but you know how this is. You know, one small little wire, one small little piece of something can throw the whole, you know, kit off. So, uh, yep. It's one of those things to where uh, it'll take some take some time to figure out. But anyway, I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. That's right. Uh, it's going to be quick. I'll be a lot of places. Mm-hmm. I think the main thing that is going to be different for me is filming a variety of different people mm-hmm. with a bunch of different hunting styles, show styles, yeah. and personality styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, before... I always film the same guy and I, we had worked together for, I guess it would have been four, four years. So it was pretty much, he knew how I worked. I know how he worked. Mm -hmm. Uh, I knew the style that I was going for. And a lot of it was kind of, um, a collaboration between the both of us. And we kind of had it all nailed down more or less how we wanted to do it. Yeah. So I didn't have to try to get used to that. Um, so I guess that's just kind of a little different from what I'm used to. It's just something that I'll, I'll probably get a hold of pretty yeah, quick. It's figuring out, you it's know, not, most of it's yeah, just it's not rocket getting science. to know the person and being For comfortable sure. with them. And I like to think I'm friendly enough, so <laughs> I think um, I'll get along. So what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about filming whitetails. And you have filmed how many whitetail hunts? One. One. And that was in upstate New York, right? Mm-hmm. So you're probably going to be doing several several whitetail hunts this year at least. Well, you've got two with Kip. You've got the one in Oklahoma. You'll probably be doing one in West Texas, which that'll be more like a – that one will be a little different. That's a very different whitetail hunt out there. But um, you'll be doing three or four this year at least. Um, so uh, um, Ernie, Ernie sent this question in or this topic in a couple – several weeks ago. And um, – I wanted to talk about it because right now everybody's minds on whitetails um, after elk season. Um, but I think this would be a good time to get this one out there about filming whitetails and kind of break it down with you too, because you're going to have insight that I might not think about. You know, I've written down some real quick notes right here about you know, what, what filming whitetails and how that's different from everything else. There's a lot of things that are similar, but the style in which you hunt whitetails is different than anything else you're in a ground blind or you're in a tree stand mm-hmm. virtually all the time. Um, uh, or in a, you know, like a box blind, like a big redneck blind or something like that, which those are honestly, those are cheating because they're so nice. Um, most of the time you're going to be sitting in a tree stand. You're going to be sitting in a $25 Walmart stand. that's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to suck. But, um, just that whitetail hunting, whitetail filming is where I started. You know, that's where I cut my teeth. I filmed more whitetails than I filmed anything. Um, I mean, you can look at my camera arm back there. You can tell how many cameras, you know, you can tell how many times that thing's been in and out of the tree. It's been well loved. It's been loved on. So um, I just wanted to kind of break down the process of filming whitetails. And and, and most of the time when you're whitetail hunting, depending on the style or the show that you're filming, most of the time you're going to a location, you're spending five to seven days there. 
Um, you're logging mornings and evenings, sometimes all day sits during the rut. It, it, you know, those suck. No, no matter what, how you slice it, sitting all day sucks. Um, no matter how comfortable your stand is, no matter anything. Um, so it, it's, you're, you've got to be prepared to be sitting and be still for a long time. So the, the struggle with whitetail hunts is when you're not seeing much or you're not seeing the buck that you want to kill or whatever is trying to make that mundane monotony interesting and creative. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no perfect formula for that. That's really, really left up to the guy producing it and the guy hunting and how they work together, how they mesh and how they can tell that story. But um, one thing I want, I want to stress is when you are filming whitetails, is going to be different than anything else. Um, but I, I would suggest if it's something new to you is make a shot list. Um, make it, make a list of all those things that you want to get in the tree. When you're, when you're objectively sitting back saying, you know, I'd like to get some cool shots of high speed leaves. I'd like to get some, you know, a deer walking in wide, medium tide. I'd like to get, you know, sunrise and sunsets out of the tree. I'd like, and just make yourself a list that you can adhere to. Put it on your phone or put it on a little piece of paper you can stick in your pocket or something. Um, but the most important thing to me when you're starting to film whitetail hunts is, you know, you start filming a five day hunt and, you know, first day you see a couple of deer, second day you don't see much, third day you don't see much, fourth day you don't see much. Well, you start getting lazy because you're not seeing much. So you're just kind of sitting there grinding it out. When you every day you need to film as if you're going to kill that day, because if you film every sit like you're going to kill that sit, then you've got that much more material and content to work with to tell a better story. And if nothing else, if you're not editing it, which most of the time you will be editing your own stuff, is whoever that footage gets handed to, they understand what's happening. You can you you go over that who what when where why and whether that we talk about all the time. Those are things that you have to tell the audience because they're stupid. Well, who who are we? What are we doing? What are we hunting? Where are we hunting? Why are we hunting that? What's the weather today? Um, you know, it's November the 1st. You know, we finally got a good cold snap. We're here in Southern Illinois hunting this blah, blah, blah. I just answered all those questions in two sentences. You know, it's super easy to do, but you need to do that every single sit. You need to get your hunter to do that. When you see a deer, you know, when they glass a deer and they're oh, that's just a doe. Okay, well, you're probably filming that doe, and then you hear them in your ear saying, oh, you know, that's just a little doe. We need to get recreations of them saying that. You know, that that builds our story. Now, do we need to get it every single time? No. But we need to build a story for that day, that beginning, that middle, and that end, every single day. Um, and you're, you're going to create a formula in your head, and you're going to figure it out to where you'll be able to really trim down that timeline of what you've got to film. It's just like anything else. In the very beginning, you probably filmed everything from lacing up shoes to putting on clothes, everything. Then you're going to get to the place to where it's like, I don't need any of that crap. I know what I need. I go in here. I get that deer coming in. I get that recreated, that ranging, the drawing, the shooting, the recovery. Boom, we're done. You know, um, And then you use those, you use that mental shot list in your mind. Now you can get creative with that shot list. But first of all, you got to get confident in your shooting ability and doing it. Um then uh, lost my place in my notes. Who, what, when, where, why, weather. Um, talk about the place that you're at and the location. Uh, again, it's just because you assume people are stupid. 
most of, you know, I've watched enough hunting shows to know when somebody's sitting in a Midwestern whitetail spot over a food plot, I've watched about 10,000 of those. Um, but you see a whitetail hunt in South Texas, um, that could be Oklahoma. You know, you watch it, you know, there's j- just assume your viewer's stupid. It's really easy. Um, start each sit and each day and each event with a beginning, a middle and end opening interviews, closing interviews, fill that middle gap. That's with each sit and each day. You know, there needs to be a beginning to the day and an end to the day. There needs to be a beginning to each sit and an end to each sit. You no, know, because sometimes you only sit in the morning. Sometimes you're sitting in the evenings. And when nothing happens, if nothing happens, get your hunter to say that. Nothing happened. This was terrible. Why was it terrible? When was bad? The You know, whatever. You know, there's a thousand different reasons it could have been bad. It had a coyote run through. We had, you know, a guy with a truck drive down the road right behind us. You know, there's a thousand different reasons. Um, I think even further than that, one thing that's always helped me with crafting scenes and because beginning, middle and end, I mean, you should put that on a shirt cause you say that oh, yeah. like nobody's business. Yeah. Well, uh, I, because I, I over, I, I try to say it too much sure. because it sounds super simple, but I mean, seriously, that's what it is. If you want, you can wrap around, wrap your mind around how to use a camera to tell, to visually explain a beginning visually explain a middle and visually explain an end that's all you got to do mm-hmm. and then be creative in the interim i mean that's that's essentially what our job is right and i i know as i've been filming things you know you get your beginning and end of the day you get your beginning and end of whatever you know the the whole story is but even so far as getting a beginning middle of an end for every like miniature event that happens yeah, everything, something that's maybe yeah. not even a scene just a just an instance. And that helps me when, you know, a lot of times what happens is a hunter will do something or something will play out and you'll Mm -hmm. get whatever the main footage is there. And then I go, okay, is this something that I'm going to probably use in the edit? If I say yes, then I go, okay, now I need the, I, that was the middle or that was the beginning, or maybe that was the end. And I need to go get those other two things. And Mm -hmm. then that helps me decide what B roll I need to shoot to get to tell that whole little thing in a self-contained Yes, and I package. think I think the thing, the confusing part about what you said just now, what I say with beginning, middle, and end, is just for example, say um, we're deer hunting and we see a real, you know, the, the hunter sees a really good deer. All right, he, you know, he whispers in your ear because you hear him through your microphone, big buck, big buck, big buck. Well, what, do you, what are you going to do with the camera? You're going to get Turn on, you're going to get to the buck and you're going to film that buck. He never comes in. He walks off. That was the middle. Mm-hmm. How do we get a beginning and an end? You get a shot of him. Hey, big buck, big buck. We're filming our hunter. Big buck. We, we recreated that, but that happened. Right. Unless you have a POV that can get it live. And the end is, man, he, he really didn't come in. That's it. There's a beginning of seeing him, the deer, the end. That's it. But that whole situation has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then you could take that little thing mm-hmm. and you can put that almost anywhere you want in the edit because it's contained not only in the edit but now we have content content. for social media we Mm -hmm. have content for our website we have content for you name it but if you only have a deer walking through the woods what does that tell me that's a big buck i have no context i have no story i have no anything it's literally that simple and then you break that then you you extrapolate that out into a day to where we're waking up in the morning you literally show somebody getting out of bed subconsciously what does that tell you that's the beginning of a day the last shot is a sunset subconsciously what does that tell you end you've got to get shots that say beginning 
shots that say middle, shots that say end. I don't want you to literally say, well, this is the beginning and this is the end. Tell me that with the camera, you know, and it's, and, and I, I, when I tell people that you can just see them in their mind going, well, I don't know what that is. I don't know what, begin- what's the beginning, what's the middle and end. It's not hard. Whatever subconsciously tells someone beginning, middle, end, what does it, what does showing tires drive by in the dark tell you? You know, if it's a start at the beginning of an edit, it tells you that's the beginning of it. If they're driving away from you and you see taillights, what's that tell you? It's the yeah. end of something. It's not hard. You know, you just got to do a little bit of thinking. Um, and I just think that's the, this part that people struggle with the most is when they hear me say beginning, middle, and end, they're like, okay, well, what is that? Well, that's that's it. You see that big buck walking? I got to have a, how did we get to that big buck? Why do we care? The big buck and then the end. He didn't come in or he came in and we killed him. That's the end. And a lot of the, I find there, very rarely do I have to on the spot come up with like a storyline. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the times, I just think back to what just happened and try to recreate, you know, that situation from how it had just happened. Yeah. You know, very rarely do I have to try to think of, oh, I'm going to make this scene. How do I make this scene? What kind of things do I need to conjure up to make this scene work? It's more of, you know, what just happened and how do I show what just happened or how do I have them tell me what just happened and then well you know how do we like get that stopping point at the end where you can go okay now it's done well and a lot of times on a hunt on a really bad hunt and really crappy hunt a lot of times what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to get creative on telling a good story and filling time on a really good hunt those things are going to happen on their own you just got to be on your toes enough to know how to produce that when it happens. When that big deer comes in, that big elk screams or that turkey gobbles and everything's happening fast and the shot happens. Well, now I've got to, in my mind, say, okay, we've got a turkey coming in and a turkey getting shot. We've got a middle and an end. How do I get that beginning? If I didn't get a beginning, you know, if we, if it happened so fast, I didn't get a beginning, I got to go back and get it. Mm-hmm. If I didn't get that ending like I wanted, I got to go back and I got to get it. You know, that's, that's where, that's where the producer part of you has got to come in to where it's like, man, I've got awesome footage of this elk coming in. I've got awesome footage of him drawing and getting a shot and running off. How did we get there? How do we even get to this place? I didn't, I didn't get any shots of him walking in, setting up at the truck, anything. Well, guess what? Get back to the truck. Give me a setup. You have to shoot it backwards, but you need that to tell your story. All those things happened. Tell me how they happened. You know, don't show me, don't you know, show me, don't tell me type thing, you know, dialogue and cameras. Great. Try not to use voiceover. Try not to use interviews as a crutch, shoot things as they happened. Um, and then, uh, getting back to just some simple things in filming, which is, this is just, this is every kind of animal, but when you animals come in, we want to show where they're going, not where they came from. You know, we want to give them that leading, that leading edge, you know, you want them in that back two thirds of the frame, mm-hmm. not the front one third, you know, well, if nothing else, have them center frame and you want your animal on an animal, you're going to shoot. You want them to fill up 25% of the frame, 15 to 25% of the frame. You don't want to be backed up too much and you don't want to be super tight. The reason we won't, won't be super tight is because when they run, if it's a archery, if it's a bow hunt after the shot happens, they're going to run. And if you have that cushion around them, you can usually follow them and keep them in frame. If you're super tight, and you jump as a producer or the animal runs out of frame or whatever, 
you might lose part of that animal out of the frame or lose them completely when they're running off. So that's why you want to keep that buffer around them. And if you're too wide, you you can't see anything. You can't mm-hmm. tell what's going on. So, um, uh, the, and the, the big thing with white tails is emotion. You know, you want to capture that emotion, capture the excitement of that first morning hunt, capture the excitement of seeing deer, capture the ups and downs of deer coming in and not getting a shot. You know, the excitement of a deer coming in, the, you know, the letdown of him not coming in for a shot, or if there's a miss, you know, we've got a, that's, that's our story is what happened? Why did you miss? You know, what's the, how do we do it better? How do we improve on this? You know, any kind of emotion. And that's the kind of stuff that you don't want to be short on. You want to over film emotion, um, roll on emotion. That's another great time to have a second angle is when you have long, long clips like that and you have something to cut back and forth to, uh, it's the same, you know, it's the same thing. It's somebody on a reaction after a shot, but it's not that same camera angle. And you're probably playing that shot over again as they're talking about it and reliving it. Um, but, uh, deer hunts are a really good place to have a second angle that you can have accessible that you can run, um, or get your hunter to run if they're you know comfortable with doing it. What do you um, usually use? What's your go-to? I've ran both DSLR and like, uh, GoPros or, you know, that new Osmo action. I've ran both as a POV camera. They're both, you know, they're equally as good. Um, well, no, they're not equally as good. The, the DSLR is definitely better, but it's obviously more aggravating to run because you're trying to run your big camera as a kill camera. Um, it's really whatever the tree lends itself to, you know, what you have room for, um, or what you have time to set up, you know, and that, that there's a lot of movement trying to use a DSLR, you know, GoPro, you reach over and hit one button. DSLR is never just one button. Mm-mm. Uh, you know, it's a little more complicated. So it's just, um, it's it, and it comes down to what show you're shooting. You know, if it's a super really fast show, you might not have time to be cutting to three camera angles. You know, you, you're just one of those things to where, um, I, I generally just run two though. Uh, I'll have a DSLR on me, but it's usually for if we kill something, take pictures. It's not for a second angle, but I have ran, I, I've done everything. I I don't think there's a perfect way to do it. I think it's just what you're comfortable with. Um, uh, cutaways, like I said, if if they glass and you didn't get it, reshoot it. Uh, if they range an animal, they range an area. If you didn't get it, reshoot it. And this is where you ask your hunter, hey, can you range that one more time? I want to get a shot of you ranging. And this is not something we want to take forever to do. But th- these recreates is where we can try and get you know, we can try, try and get creative, push at the end, push to the end of your lens, you know, get really shallow, um, you know, when you're pulling focus, you know, really draw the eye into what you want them to see. Um, don't get really wide and go 1990s, uh, real tree outdoor style. Um, you know, tell the story, all those things are happening, but you've got to be able to, if you didn't get them when they happened live, you've got to be able to recreate them. Um, recreates clipping in the release turning the safety off the gun um use just get creative with those things don't just shoot them just to shoot them um you need them and you should shoot them but don't just generic you know get the light right take your time to make those things pretty because they're really short clips but they add value when you do a good job um and then the recovery uh make sure when you're doing recoveries of animals to you know, do a good job of framing the top of the hunter's head or the top of the animal, whatever's the tallest when they're sitting on the ground. And then, uh, 
try and keep excessive blood out. Try and if their tongue's hanging out, stick their tongue back in their mouth or take a knife and cut it out. And the reason we do that, and I'll, I know that pisses a lot of people off to say that, um, well, if there's, you know, it's hunting, you know, there's going to be blood and there's going to be tongue hanging out. Well, just remember guys, we, we're afforded the right to hunt by people that don't hunt. You know, 90% of people do not hunt and they're allowing us the right to hunt. So if we can clean up a recovery just a little bit for that 90% of people that may or may not see it, it's worth it, you know, and it makes the frame look better. You don't want a bunch of blood and guts in your frame that takes away from what you're trying to do. Um, get, get the, uh, get the, get the recovery, you know, get the, you know, telling the story, retelling the story, which most of the time I never use that just because it's, you're retelling what I've already seen. It's generally about emotion of finding the animal, what the animal means, what it took to, you know, took to uh, kill that animal. And then, um, what we want to do after that is, you know, say that's a, 45 second minute long recovery well we're not going to play one minute clip so what do i want to do i want to get tight shots of you know unique things on antlers i want to get tight shots of hands i want to get tight shots of eyes i want to get turned in the antlers all those things are to cover up those edits uh, and to to make that uh recovery give me give me edit points is what it is you know it's it's it gives me things where if i want to cut out ums and ahs if i want to cut out sections of the recovery to have that footage to cover up those edits and to make it better. Um, I guess it's, again, it's not rocket science. Uh, and then once you get into logging your footage, I like to log it by the day, you know, morning and evening, I break it down as simple as I can. And when we kill or something significant happens, I put that in the name of the folder, like day three, um, good encounter, you know, day four kill, you know, day two, not much, you know, whatever I'll, I'll name the folders that that way, when I come back to edit it week, two weeks, something, you know, if it's TV six months later, I have a reference. Um, but you know, that's kind of the, and filming whitetail hunts, you know, I know the juries do it without a camera arm. I don't know how or why, which I know why now, because they film out of a box blind all the time. They're very rarely in trees. Um, but even in the box blind, I'm carrying a tripod. I mean, I just, I think you need it for good steady footage. Um, I'm carrying a camera arm. They don't I think it's to each their own. Um, but I don't think in terms of filming whitetails, man, it's as pretty straightforward as it can get, but that's where a good whitetail show is going to set itself apart. Two things are going to set a good whitetail show apart. Really good production and killing big deer. That's what's going to set them apart. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of the quick and dirty of it without really, really writing any notes. Um, or I say, I say any notes, few, a few notes, not very many, but, uh, I mean, is that pretty much what you had in your mind when it comes to filming a white tail hunt? Cause y'all, y'all didn't kill when you were in New York, did you? No. So was that, yeah, that would have been after our Wyoming hunt. I know on our Wyoming hunt, I kept asking you, yeah. cause I have a problem with overshooting. Yeah. Uh, that's not a problem. I mean, it's, it's a problem. Just more things you have to go through. It's a problem when I'm having to edit it. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily. I don't think you've had to edit anything that I've shot yet. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh-uh. You almost edited a Rambo thing. From, almost, yeah. But then, but then I yeah. did that. So I know in New York, God, it was so pretty in New York that I just was filming so much. And I go into every day, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, thinking, okay, what if we kill today? I need to make sure I have enough stuff to tell that whole story mm-hmm. 
So, you know, I think we were there for seven to nine days and I'm filming every day. Like we're going to maybe kill that day. Mm -hmm. We did not even see a deer until the last 15 minutes of the last day. And I was sitting there and it, I heard a twig break and I looked back and there was just a little buck and I turned the camera and I started going, Mark, 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 Mark. Cause I'm trying to turn the camera and he was kind of sitting down here. It was a weird tree yeah, set up yeah. and I'm trying to move the camera slow and talk to him and get him to turn around and tell him that there's a buck, but it didn't barely even come in. It came, yeah. it, it did, it went around like this and then it just went up through the woods and that I didn't even see, I probably saw two squirrels. Oh my God. So I didn't even Y'all have squirrels to film. Me. After three days of that, I'd have been out <laughs> maybe two days of it, that. It was rough, but I, every day I was filming a lot of B roll. And so that's the, Jesus. it, for me, the tough part is I just feel like when sometimes I have to put the camera out of my hand yeah. because I feel like if I have the camera in my hand, I need to be filming things. Yeah. You know, I feel like I need to, I'm always and looking around like, be, what can I film? I used what to can be I that film? way. I've gotten to where I've, I mean, I've cut my filming down by three quarters um, because I know what I need now. Um, and I know what the goal of the project is. Um I think that's that's part of getting really familiar with what you're doing and what you're filming is going to make you that much better is uh, time in the tree and time filming certain things. That's just going to make you that much better. Yeah, I know over the course of filming a lot of hog hunts, when I started out, I filmed a stupid amount of walking. <laughs> just lots of walking. Yeah. And then over the course of time, I went, I, went, I don't ever use that. Yeah. You know, I never use that, so I stopped filming as much of it, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> <laughs> well, in <laughs> walking, know. walking, you use that just as a transition to get mm-hmm. from one place to another, or to pass some time. Um, but once you figure out what you use walking for, it's really easy to say. I get two or three walking shots. I need one of a long walking shot. I need one walking away, one walking to, one walking by the camera, and I got all the walking shots I need. Yep. You know, once you figure that out, but it took you filming it and not using it to say you know what? I'm not going to film walking anymore because I don't use this crap. Well, I still film walking. Yeah. I, I like it a little bit. <laughs> I like it a little bit. <laughs> I like the... Uh, <laughs> see, I used to really be... I wanted to have everything locked off yeah. and really stable. Oh, yeah. But the past year or so, I've kind of gotten to where I like the handheld the look motion. of the spot yeah, and stock have stuff. motion in there. To, to the point where uh, on our hunt, the one in Wyoming... I used a lot of a lot of stuff just to a lot of stuff with almost excessive movement because I liked the energy it gave to mm-hmm. it. Like that one oh, where yeah. you saw the bowl. Mm-hmm. I never saw it. I saw a picture of it. <laughs> I saw a picture of it. Did you? You saw it. I don't think I. Yeah, <laughs> you no, took I off did. running. Yeah, I did see it. Okay, because we were walking up the hill, and all of a sudden, I didn't uh, see you, it as good as Irwin saw. You it, were apparently. like two people in front of me because it yeah. was you and Mark, uh-huh. and then me and Irwin, Irwin and I, I yeah. suppose, for the grammar Nazis out there. Yeah. Uh, and I, we're just walking along, just we're, I mean, we weren't even ready to be hunting yet. We're mm-hmm. just getting to the spot oh, where yeah, we're going we to start going to look. And all of a sudden I just, you start going that way. Yeah. And I've got the camera on the tripod. I go, I can't carry this on the tripod at that pace. So I mm-hmm. unclip it from the tripod and I just start running after you. And I remember I had the camera like this. I pressed record and I used a lot of that footage cause it ended up being kind of a cool little yeah moment and that was another thing i wanted to ask you this is an abstract question no no problem 
So beginning, middle, and end, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the story blocks. Yeah. Now, do you ever throw out one of those for the purpose of editing? What do you mean? So take that little happening, that that run-in with the, the elk. The beginning, at some point, you were walking and you, somebody saw the elk, said, look, there's an elk, and you went, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. But I, I never got that stuff. I don't know if it's because we didn't have time or I just didn't think of it. Yeah, I don't remember. But in editing, I think I just jumped straight to you running. Yeah. And so I almost cut out. That was, well, that's, that was the beginning, that's but also, it cut out that traditional beginning yeah. of well, look see, but that's, there. But that's how you get creative in editing. You know, I think you, I think you still need to have beginning, middle, and end. Sure. But if you I don't have, have shot it, it for sure. If you don't have it, that's when you get to be creative. That's when you shoot all that other B-roll to hopefully save your butt when something like that happens. Um, that's why you have days and weeks of footage, and you know, even that running clip. You know, I've had clips that I shot on day one that I used in day four. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had, you know, I've had, I've had to go out behind a building and reshoot. We've had to shoot cutaways for turkey hunts in the medians on interstates because we forgot to shoot cutaways, literally stop, recreate it on the side of the road. But that's what it took to tell a good story. Um, now, is that faking it? Kind of. But is it telling the story like it happened? Yes. You can't watch a hunting show and expect everything to happen live. I, I, think, that's a un, I think that's an unrealistic expectation. Uh, and if you think it is realistic, then you need to come try and film a hunt where everything happens and you get it live. So you're, gonna, you're telling me you're going to shoulder hold a camera every second of every day that you're hunting. No, you're not. It's not going to happen. Um, recreations and uh, things like that are a necessity unless you're going to use voiceover and interviews as a crutch. Um, and like I've said from the very beginning, interviews and voiceover are to be used to enhance a story, to make it better. Um, and I think that's where a lot of guys get really, really hung up is they're so used to sitting down and doing long, long interviews and just be rolling over the interviews. That doesn't take any skill whatsoever. Um, telling a good story in the field, making sure you're getting recreates and transitions beginning and middle and end. That's where you set yourself apart. Um, and then you, once you can figure those things out to get creative in the interim, um, and then bring it back and make it look good on the edit, in the edit side. And, you know, doing a really good job, in this, you know, doing a really good job of telling a story in the field is going to make an edit that much better. Um, so that's, uh, that's my two cents on it anyway. That was a good question. Yeah, I mean, I've done that kind of thing before too, but I think it's just whenever it lends itself to editing that way. Sure. You know, sometimes it doesn't lend itself to it. So certainly, if you've got if you've got the beginning and the middle and the end, you can throw things out. Yeah. You can't ever. Put well, and sometimes back when in, you're well, you know? and sometimes when you're in editing, you know, there's time constraints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might not have time for everything. Um, but. Luckily, when we're doing web, there's generally not time constraints. We can do it as short or as long as we want to. Um, but anyway, um, that's the whitetail hunting um, podcast. Uh, that was quick and dirty, I know. Uh, if you have questions, Redneck Tech Podcast at gmail.com. And since we are filming this, it is going to be on the Redneck Tech Podcast YouTube channel from now on. Um, 
it's fairly new. I don't think it has, but maybe one or two videos on it. But um, we're going to try our best to film them all from here on out. Ryer will probably be co-hosting all of them unless he's not here. Hell, he might be hosting some of them. Um, and That's I, a if scary I'm not, thought. If I'm not here. Um, so <laughs> anyway. We'll be talking about man buns. <laughs> and, and Star Wars. And, and all, frick, all and things millennial. Top Gun. and Ryer loves him some Top Gun. I mean, it's a good movie, but I don't know. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah, we're not good. Gonna, we're not good. Gonna, it's I'm okay. offended. It's okay. It's okay. We went from good to okay. <laughs> we're wow. not going to get into movie reviews. That's I mean, even though that's I came my... all the way out here to Georgia to have you say to my face <laughs> that Top Gun is okay. <sighs> it needs a better female lead. If it had a better female lead, she can't be that hot though. She could have been. She, if they the movie, done, she could have been. If, it's a movie, man. You got you cast a better looking female lead in that, dude. I'm all about it. But the lead can't be better looking. If she was better looking than Tom Cruise, it would have ruined the whole dynamic. This is not true. I not true so. at all. And I mean, how could, are you saying Tom Cruise is good looking? Yeah, I could say that objectively. I don't know about that. <laughs> Speaking uh, of that, this is just kind of funny. <laughs> so. My girlfriend works with events, and they had an event at an aircraft museum. Oh, yeah? They had a Tom Cruise impersonator. No crap. She sent me a picture. You cannot tell that that is not Tom Cruise. That good? It looks just like Tom Cruise. Wow. It's insane. But that dude makes bank. She said he's expensive. I bet. Huh. Isn't that crazy? You could that just make cool. money for looking a certain way. Well, he, did, he did nothing. He just was born looking like Tom Cruise, and he <laughs> just makes bank doing it. That's crazy. He must not be as good of an actor as Tom Cruise, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so YouTube channel is going to be Redneck Tech Podcast. We're going to try and put these on the YouTube channel. Um, and you see this naked wall right here. Um, for those of you listening, you can't tell. We're in our little conference room. Is that room wall naked office. or naked? It's naked. That's a uh, naked wall? Naked wall. Uh, we're going to get... A uh, cool sign made. If you any of you out there know, you know, cool sign maker for Redneck Tech Podcast and Couple Creative, um, hit us up on Instagram or uh, email or Facebook or something because we're looking to get a cool sign made for this wall uh, for the conference room, and then we're also looking for one for behind the camera. You can't see it for the like sitting area, but uh, if you know somebody, let us know. I'm about, about to do some research on that here, and I'm about to start packing. Ryer's about to start editing, and then I will be back. When it, we're not going to be in the office together for a while. We might be doing our next one in, but that would be in two weeks. So it might be, oh, no, it's going to be more than two weeks. It's going to be three weeks. See, we're already getting behind on podcasts, and this is our first one together because we're not going to be together for like another three weeks. We'll be, we'll be in Idaho with Jamie together. The 14th, but that's three weeks from now. Is that three weeks? It's, it's that far? Eight days, eight days till the end of the month, and then two weeks to the fourteenth. So yeah, it's three weeks. Mm. Yeah, that it'll one. go by fast though, because you've got a really busy week coming up, and I've yep. got a, I'll be in Alberta chasing long-legged Dudley down. So uh, it'll be fun though. Um, you got anything else? I don't think so. Okay. Nope. All right. Peace. <laughs>